When you look at that graphic, do you ever feel like you're living life through that lens? How many of you, you right? We're a cell phone. Something so simple all of a sudden is now a third arm in our body, right? Like we can't live without it. We go everywhere with it. It has so much information in such a tiny, small device. Think about it. You have access to the entire world at the palm of your hand. If you have a question, you can get to the answer immediately in seconds just by simply Googling something and seeing what's out there and what the answer might be. I think you'll all agree that technology has changed everything. And there's a lot of positives to technology advancing, right? All the things in, in the medical field, there's certainly a lot of cool ways to connect with people, to watch as, as, as technology has improved our lives and has made us, hopefully, better people. And it's so interesting when you kind of mine down and you think of just the technology and the advancements of a phone, right? I grew up in a day and age when phones used to hang on a wall. Does anyone remember that, right? Now we're attached to them. If I were to take you back to my house in St. Clair Shores, my 900 square foot home, um, we had one of those hanging on the wall of the kitchen and we had one of these loft type homes and so my bedroom was upstairs and I was so grateful the day that my parents bought one of those really long cords. Remember that? Because I actually, the thing was so long and it would curl up that I would be able to take it all the way up the stairs and around the corner and actually go under my bed and have private conversations with my friends as a teenager. Does anybody remember that, that, those days, right? And then somebody, I don't know who it was, they, I, I should have looked this up, that invented that whole thing where you can interrupt a phone conversation. Remember what that's called? Who was that person? Right, and all of a sudden, you got to be interrupted on your very important calls. I want to go back to the day where if, if, they're not, if, they're, if somebody else is on the phone, you just get a business signal, and you're just going to have to call back, and you're just going to have to wait. Then all of a sudden, somebody came along, and they said, you know what, we can do something better. We're going to invent the wireless phone. And now all of a sudden, the thing's still hanging on the wall, but you can take it around your house. Some people wore them as a badge of honor, right? They'd go down their neighborhood. They'd be out there <laughs> like... You know, I don't remember what that was, if that was the 80s or the 90s. And now think of how fast technology has advanced that we hand these things, access to the entire world to an eight-year-old, sometimes even a six-year-old, right? And, 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 and what is that doing to us as a society? Well, let's stay positive here for a moment, right? Since everything is now on demand, since everything's available at our, at our fingertips, shouldn't our lives be less hectic? Our relationships stronger and our world a better place? Right? The world's gotten smaller. We can connect with people all over the world. Do we agree that this is actually true? That everything now that, that's available to us has actually made our lives less hectic, our relationships stronger, and our world a better place? No, nobody, nobody thinks that. And isn't it interesting how much data and research has come out about all of this stuff that says we actually we work more, we have less margin, and we're more isolated as a society. That now the average work week is actually 50 hours a week. 50 hours a week. And that's those of you that have one job. Some of you like having two jobs, and so you work even more than that. And we're, we're just a few decades ago, the average work hour or work week was 40 hours a week. It's interesting to say that we actually have less margin in our lives. Do you feel like you have less margin in your life? But that doesn't make any sense. Technology and the access to information should actually make your life easier. 
It should have made it so that you actually have more time on your hands. And what's interesting is if you dive into some of the research with this whole concept of margin, that we actually have more margin than we actually want to admit. Some people, if you want to say it nicely, they call it slack, okay? And some of you, you know, because you work at places and you, th- and you see coworkers and you're like, wow, they're never at their desk. They're always talking to other coworkers, right? Or why is it that they never seem like they're actually working? How is it they're able to get things done? Or maybe you have friends and you wonder, man, they just seem to have a lot of free time in their life. And so it's always easy as we look at others to kind of point out those areas of their lives. But what about our own lives? Think about the slack that you actually have in your life if you were to take some of the technology out of your life and how that would create more margin for you. It's interesting, I was reading a study where the Covey Institute of Leadership, Stephen Covey, he's a a huge leadership guru, uh, has written so many best-selling books. He went around his organization, they interviewed 400 business owners and senior leaders of major organizations on this exact topic. Now, these are the guys at the top, right? They have people that do everything for them. And so they went and they they interviewed 400 different leaders from all over the country, and they came back and they found out that the average business owner, the average leader, spends more than 20 hours a week doing things that they don't actually need to do. Just let that sit there for a moment, right? People at the top. And so there's no way that this doesn't trickle down into our lives. And so maybe we're just kind of fooled into thinking that we don't have margin. When actually we do, we just have this priority thing maybe just a little bit out of whack. And as we've been talking about, in fact, a couple weeks ago, Christian talked a lot about this, about being isolated as a society. Why are we so isolated when we're connected more than we ever have been before? And oftentimes what happens is, is when we look at the world through the view and the lens of our phones or through social media, we're viewing it through the lens of other people's lives. We're following what other people are doing rather than being obsessed and focused on what is going on in our own lives. I mean, you think about it, go back to to my childhood. My parents used to have their friends over after they went on vacation and they would bring out actual pictures. Remember that? They'd have to pull them out of the envelope and you would have to sit there at the dinner table and act like you actually cared about their vacation as they, oh, here we are here. And then here's a picture here and here's a picture here. Now we go on vacation with every single person that we're connected to every single day right? We get a firsthand account of what's going on, not only on vacation, but what's going on in your life, what you ate for lunch, where you went last night, why you're not in church this morning. That's now keep doing that because that way we can ask why you're not in church. No, just kidding. But all of these things that we've done as a society, and are we actually thinking about the implications that this is happening on our lives? See, I would submit to you this, that it's actually led to insecurity, and this insecurity, because we're trying to compare ourselves to everybody else, leads to actually independence because we think that we have to have our act together. We think that we have to present ourselves in a certain way. But ultimately, all that does is lead to isolation. And I would just submit to you this morning that I just don't think that that's how God designed us. See, I actually believe that God created us and he created us for a purpose and a plan and he's a loving, gracious, heavenly father that wants to engage in our lives and he has a better plan for us. And unfortunately, we live in a society that's always trying to vie for our attention. They're always trying to get us to go in a different direction. So let me ask you again this morning, what is it that's helping you navigate your life? When you're in trouble, when you're going through circumstances, do you turn to Siri 
right? I'm depressed. Siri, say something positive about me. <laughs> or when you don't know something, Alexis, help me, help me. What am I supposed to do? What, how am I supposed to do this? Or Alexa, did I say it wrong? Alexa, <laughs> I don't have one of these things, so I don't know. Alexa, help me. What am I supposed to do? What is it that we're, is our view that graphic? Are we viewing the world through technology? Or maybe there's a better way. Maybe there's a better way, and that's what we're going to look at today. And so we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 4. There's chair Bibles right in front of you. If you're in the front row, they're underneath the seat. If you have your own Bible, you're certainly welcome to turn to that. But Hebrews chapter 4, page 1003. And as we're turning there, those of you that are guests, if you don't have a Bible or your Bible maybe is in a language that's difficult to understand, uh, on behalf of our church, we would just encourage you to take the Bible that you're now holding home with you today. We just believe this is the greatest gift that we can give you. So please make sure you do that today. But we're actually going to begin reading in verse 12, even though it says 14 on the screen. We're going to begin reading in verse 12. And it says this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, for the word of God which is what we're reading right now. This is God's word. This is God's love language to you and to me, that this is actually living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of our hearts. Think about that. Think about that for a moment. That God, his word, as you read God's word, as you open the pages of scripture, again, God's love letter to us, that this is so much more than technology. This is so much more than social. This is so much more than anybody else on earth could ever give you because this thing is living and it's active on a whole nother level that can actually pierce your heart, that can actually challenge your mind, that can actually awaken you to the things of God because God is the one, again, who created you and God knows what is best for you. And look at how much description is put in this, that it pierces down to your soul and your spirits, even to your joints and to your, and to your marrow, that it actually knows the intentions of your heart. And sometimes we can read this and go, okay, here it comes, right? Here it comes. So now you're going to point out all the scriptures that are going to tell us, you know, what I'm doing wrong and why I'm not getting it right and why I'm a bad person and why I should do things differently. And I want us to keep reading because look at what it says in verse 13. It says, no creature is hidden from his sight. Again, he's the creator. But we all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account of who we must give an account. God's word telling us the nature of who our God is and the love that he has for us. And now here we're going to pick up in verse 14 where it says this. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Well, who's this high priest? He's going to tell us, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our, our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet is without sin. And here is God telling us in this passage of scripture. Listen, I want to remind you this morning. I created you. Not only did I create you, I sent my son Jesus to the earth to live as a human, to have to battle being in a society, to have to battle the things that you face each and every day of your life. 
God knows. Jesus knows what it means to be human. He knows what it means to interact with other people. He knows what it means to have the struggles that we face. He has experienced every single emotion that you and I have faced or will ever face. That's how loving and gracious our God is. The only difference is between us and him is that he did it without sin. And he had to do it without sin so that he could go to the cross, so that he could die for you and for me, that he could rise from the dead, that he could sit on the throne next to God the Father. Not to point his finger at us, not to sit there with his arms folded like this and just say, great, you screwed it up again. Great, you got it wrong again. Great, you should have done it the different way. Why did you screw up again? In fact, he sits there with his arms wide open and he invites us into relationship with him. God loves you more than you can ever imagine. God has more grace for you than you could ever hope or imagine. And sometimes we hear that and we go, okay, you know, I get that. I, I've heard that. Maybe I grew up hearing that. But then something happens where we, where we kind of get close to the line and we go, okay, God, I want to believe you enough for you to save me, but not necessarily to maybe start to begin to walk in your ways. God, I, I get it that I want you close enough to, 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 to be my savior, but maybe I still want to do things my way. And it's the doubts that come in. It's the insecurities that come in. It's that fear of, do God, do we really trust you in your word and who you say you are and what you can do in our lives? See, a lot of times we go through life, we go through those times where, where we're just isolated, where we're all alone and we rely on our own wisdom and knowledge, and yet God, the creator of the universe, we have access to. We have access to him. What's interesting is one of the things that I also enjoy uh, doing is actually binge listening to podcasts. I know a lot of people binge watch shows. That's not really my thing. I love binge listening. I love keeping up with what's going on in our culture. I just think it's important in, in my position as a pastor, especially to see trends and, and where people are going and the movements of people and what people are doing and how they're responding to different things. There's one podcast that, that came up just a few weeks ago that was very intriguing to me. And the podcast was this, is that uh, there's an alarming rate of pastors that are quitting the ministry. They're just saying, you know what, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. And so what they're doing is they're quitting and they're going into other professions. Now, to be honest with you, there are times when I think about doing that, right? Because this is all I've ever known, all I've ever done. But, but I wake up most days excited about what I get to do, humbled, surprised. Wow, I get to be the lead pastor of this incredible church and be part of this family that I've been a part for over 15 years. I love the people of this church, and I love where our church is going, and I'm really excited about the future of this church. So I'm like, wow, this might be an interesting podcast to listen to. And of course, whenever you hear the title of a podcast, you always try to think ahead. You always try to think, okay, what are the things that they're going to say? Certainly it has to be things that relate to this job. Certainly it has to be something about the pressures that a pastor faces in our day and age. And so they, they're chatting back and forth and they get to the first thing. And the first thing they said is that pastors, ready for this? The reason that they're leaving at an alarming rate, number one reason is they're not spending enough time outside. I go, what? They're not getting enough vitamin D. They're depressed because they spend too much time in their offices. And I was like, okay, okay, that sounds nice. Okay, let's get on to two, three, and four. Certainly, I know the answers to two, three, and four. Number two was exercise. Just going outside, again, getting outside and walking and getting your endorphins going, this body that God has created us, this rhythm of life that he's called us to do. And I'm like, what is this, an Oprah show? Did I hit on the wrong podcast? What is it I'm listening to now, right? The third one is this, ready for this? Was lack of sleep. 
that pastors apparently aren't sleeping and how important that is to the body that God has created us in and even having that rhythm of life. And you can imagine at this point, I'm getting angry, right? Because certainly number four, better be something specific to the role of a pastor or a church worker in what we go through. And you know what number four was? I'll give you one guess. Social media. And I went, I almost drove the car off the road. I was like, what? (laughs) And again, I want you to think about this. It was not that they felt that they had to keep up with their flock and, and it was just becoming too overwhelming to try to keep track of people's lives. It was them trying to live their lives and views of everyone else. And so they saw what everybody else was doing and all the vacations they were going on and how they were enjoying their lives. And they're like, I want that. I don't want to do this anymore. And I thought, man, again, what is going on in our world? What is it that we've become captive to? Where have we become, I mean, like, I, this is a horrible analogy, but I'm saying anyways, like monkeys, where we just respond to what other people are telling us to do. Facebook, right? Facebook is a very interesting thing to research um, because a lot of recent data has come out about Facebook and about how the more you're on Facebook, the more depressed you actually become. And so they're now, I want you to think about this, Facebook knows this data, they know this research, they know that this might mean uh, more users getting off that platform. And so they're now experimenting with us all over the world. I want you to hear this. Mark Zuckerberg loves you and loves me so much (laughs) that they are taking the like button off of all of Australia. So if you have Facebook in Australia, this is what they're doing, is that when you're on Facebook and you post a picture or you post a video, the user, the person that put the thing on, you now are the only one that can see the likes and the comments on your post because they realize that when you can see other people's likes and comments that it's actually detrimental to you because you're constantly comparing yourself to everybody else's posts. Facebook is helping us. Isn't that, isn't that nice of them? That's what I thought when I read the article. In fact, Instagram, which is also owned by Facebook, they have been doing this for months. They have been doing this with our friends from the north. They're called Canadians. And so they took off the heart feature on Instagram to see how they would respond. Anybody going with the monkey analogy now? How we just feel like we're in this world? And trust me, I am on all the platforms. I, 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 I engage in this social media world, right? I like connecting with people. But again, maybe today we could just kind of pull back and go, what is it that we're doing with our lives? And if we lost contact, number one, with God, and number two, with face-to-face interactions with each other, and we don't have to listen to what they say or tell us what to do, we can enter into a different life. We can live our lives differently than everybody else out there. And guess what? Still make it at the end of the day. Still be successful in life. Amen? Because this is what God tells us. This is the grace that God has for you and for me. And the next verse, he says, Then let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. We don't go before God and and with our heads bowed down and we're crawling. We just feel like terrible, awful, horrible sinners. God says, no, I want you to, to lift your head up and I want you to realize that my arms are open wide to you, that you can come before me with grace and confidence because that's where you're going to receive mercy and grace. I'm the one that's going to help you navigate life. Those problems that you're having in your relationships, guess what? I have the answers to them. They're right here in this thing right here, my word that I gave you. You're having marital problems, guess what? The answers are right here. You're having problems with your kids, guess what? The answers are right here. You're having financial situations, guess what? Again, surprise, answers are right here. 
more than Siri, more than Alexa, more than anything you could ever hope, imagine, or Google in your entire life. All of the answers are in a living, active word of God. And we got to come back to that truth. We got to come back to that basis and realize what he can do for us. And I get maybe some of you here this morning, your guests, and again, this service, all of this is for you. The picnic is for you. As Christian said, we just invited the members after we invited you. The picnic today is for you are our honored guests. And you may be here and you, maybe you feel far from God. And maybe you don't know where you stand with God. Can I just say this morning, he loves you. And he is calling you to himself. And he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to walk through every circumstances in your life with you. In fact, he loves you so much, he's actually on demand. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Crazy, isn't it? You wake up at three in the morning and you're struggling, guess what you get the opportunity to do? Invite God into the situation. You're going through a hardship, you're going through something, guess what? You can go to God and God hears your prayers and he works on your behalf. And not only does he want to be there for you, he actually wants to save you and bring you in a relationship with him. Amen. And not only does he do it by, by giving us his word, he actually does it by the people that he surrounds us with in our lives. See, a few weeks ago, my wife was at a grocery store, a local grocery store here in town, and um, her pattern for, for many, many months is to go really, really, really early in the morning while I'm still asleep, our kids are still asleep. And the whole idea behind this is to beat the rush, to beat the crowd. And so she will go and she'll load up a huge cart full of groceries, and then she'll come home, unload them all before any of us wake up. Well, a few weeks ago, she just happened to be at this local grocery store and, and her cart was overflowing. She had spent a lot of time getting everything that she needed and she went toward the checkout line and she noticed that there wasn't any cashiers in any of the checkout lines. The only thing you could do was do the self-checkout. So she, of course, she just went up to one of the employees and she said, <laughs> something's going on. Um, it must be the popcorn machine. Um, so she goes up to the lady at the, uh, at the, at the um, grocery store and she just says, hey, can you have someone come open up one of the lanes so I can check out and I can be on with my day? And this lady just looked her in the eyes and said, uh, my dear, I'm so sorry, but we don't do that anymore. And she said, in fact, in the next three to five years, they will phase out cashiers and all we will have at this grocery store are self-checkouts. And my wife... Tears began to fill up in her eyes. She began to cry. And then she began to sob. And God blessed this woman because she looked my wife in the face and she said, Honey, I have a daughter that's about your age. And she's very sensitive too. <laughs> but we're going to do this together. We're going to do this together. And so wouldn't you believe this saint of God, she took my wife's grocery cart, she went over to the self-checkout, and she helped and scanned every single one of those groceries for Lisa and helped her bag the groceries and get on her way. That is a lost art in our society today. Face-to-face -face interaction. The, the humility and just the, the willingness to give of herself and to say, sorry, honey, you're on your own. I guess you're going to have to figure it out and, you know, whatever. That's just the way it is. The grace that people have. You know that God puts people in your life to do the very same thing? 
Maybe someone that invited you here today that's an instrument of God that you would hear the grace of our God. And again, guests, can I just tell you, this is the kind of church that we want to be. We want to be a church that is just like that lady at the grocery store that walks alongside you, that comes alongside you in your relationships, in your marriage, as you raise your kids, as you raise your grandkids. Whatever circumstance and life circumstance that you're in, we want to be a church that shows you who Jesus is and what he can do in your life. Again, we don't want anything from you. We simply want Jesus for you. And so we're so glad that you came today. We're so glad that you're here. And we hope that you sense that warmth and that grace and that peace that only God, our Father, can provide to you and to me. And so we really hope that you'll stick around for the picnic that we'll have face-to-face interaction. We really hope that you'll stick around and even consider coming back next week and continue to see whether this would be a place that you would call home. And that together, church, this would be our challenge, that we would put down the distractions, that we'd be on guard of what's being told to us and the way that we should behave and respond and act, and that we view and we live our lives in view of what God has called us to do in his word. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes?